Our scripture this morning is found in the New Testament book of Acts. I invite you to take your Bibles and to turn with me there. It's early in the New Testament, right after the four Gospels. And we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 18 this morning. We're going to read a couple of different places, so hold on and follow along as we start there with verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named, named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And then skip over to verse 18. Verse 18, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Verse 19, they arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. Then go down to verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Well, for several months now, we have been doing a series on New Testament women. There are a lot of women in the New Testament. Many of the ones that we have already heard about were women who had an encounter with Jesus. But now we're moving on beyond that into women who were involved in the first century church. There were many women that were attracted to the message of Jesus. In a world that was often hostile to women, Jesus did not discriminate against women. He treated women with dignity and with kindness, and he bestowed worth on women at a time when the prevailing mindset was not as generous toward women as he was. With that type of environment, that Jesus had around him, it was easy to understand why women would be attracted to the message of the kingdom of God, a message where they were included and not excluded. Well, this morning, we're going to learn about one of those women who was very active in the early church and was an important part of our church history. That is Priscilla. Now, you may have heard of Priscilla before. She's mentioned in the Bible seven times and pretty much all in Acts or in some letters where she is greeted by usually Paul. Priscilla comes along with her husband Aquila, so you often hear them together, Priscilla and Aquila. Five times when they are listed though, Priscilla is listed first. Now when we read that, we may think, what's the big deal? That doesn't really mean anything. But in biblical times, our scholars can tell us that they've done enough studying to know that in that time period, the name that was mentioned first was usually the more prominent person in a duo or in a group. So in this case, since Priscilla is mentioned first five of those seven times, 
we assume that she perhaps is the more um, upfront person in that duo. You know, in marriages, often you will find that opposites attract. You'll have an extrovert and an introvert who get married. I'm sure that works better with the conversation around the house that way. And in this case, that may have been exactly why we hear Priscilla's name first. Perhaps Priscilla was the more um, extroverted or, or the mo more outgoing in that marriage. It's possible that Priscilla was a Roman um, citizen. She may have come even from a noble family. The name Priscilla is a derivative of the Roman name Prisca. And so that leads some scholars to think that perhaps she came from a noble family. It may have been that she had more education than Aquila had. Maybe that's why she is listed first. There's some things we just can't be sure of, but one thing we can know is that Priscilla really was an important person in this duo, and it's her name that comes first much of the time. We learn of them in Acts, the scripture that we've just read this morning. Paul meets them when he comes to Corinth. Now, Priscilla and Aquila had come to Corinth when they had to leave Rome. In AD 49, the emperor Claudius signed an edict expelling all of the Jews from Rome. Just kicked them out. You've got to get out. You've got to go. And so because Aquila was a Jew, they left. And they would become what we know today as refugees. Had to leave their home and find a new home. They left and went to Corinth. And there, as immigrants, they had to start all over. Well, they were lucky. They had a career that would move with them. They were able to find a way to support themselves when they moved into this new city because they were tent makers. And as tent makers, they could take their tools with them and they could purchase the things they needed in a new place to continue their careers as tent makers. Tent makers may have made tents, obviously, but they also probably made other things with cloth. And so they could always find things and have a job wherever they were. Priscilla is a really good example to all of us Christians as a person who was willing to serve the Lord and a person who was willing to use her spiritual gifts in his service for God's kingdom. She was gifted in many different ways, though my guess is that if we asked Priscilla, she would tell you she's just an ordinary woman and wife, just living life, doing what she's supposed to be doing. But when a person uses the, spirit, the spiritual gifts which God has given them, there is nothing ordinary about them. Our Bible is full of people who have been in God's hand and been used by God in extraordinary ways. God can do extraordinary things through a person who is committed to him and who uses the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to them. It's clear in the life of Priscilla that God bestows spiritual gifts on everyone. Believers, every believer has a spiritual gift, male and female, clergy and lay people, young or old, immigrant or citizen, it doesn't matter. In God's kingdom, everybody has the opportunity to serve him and to use the gifts that he's given to them. That includes me and that includes you. Now in our church, we have lots of people who are indeed willing to use their spiritual gifts for God's kingdom and to listen and heed God's call on their lives. Lauren McGee is one of those people. She has recently returned from the mission trip to Nicaragua. 
She was willing to go and to use her spiritual gifts there in that country. Lauren couldn't be here today, but we were able to record her earlier. So let's hear from Lauren McGee this morning. Good morning. First, let me say how grateful I am to have had the opportunity to travel to Nicaragua and to work alongside those involved with the Pearl Foundation. They truly have something special going on down there. The support from you, the church, and from my own family has been abundant. I'm thankful that God opened doors and provided a way for me to leave my family, my husband and my one-year-old daughter, to follow his call to Nicaragua. About nine months ago, I told my husband Trent that I felt God calling me to do another mission trip. At this point, I knew nothing about the opportunity to go to Nicaragua. I just knew that my heart was telling me it was time to go. The last trip I had taken was to Ukraine in 2012. And since then, a lot has happened in my life, namely the birth and death of my infant daughter, Adeline, in 2014. I tell you this because since then, I have done very little but work, go to church, and be with my family. In fact, I have not spent a night away from Trent or my mom or my sister since Adeline died. Grief had kept me boxed into my comfort zone and I was willing to stay there. Life and grief are just so hard and so why would I do anything else to make it any harder? But anyone who knows me, I think they would agree that I'm a very determined person. I knew God was telling me to go, so how could I say no? Okay, God, I'm going. Well, where am I going? Then in April, I noted the Nicaragua trip dates in the bulletin. I remember sitting here on a Sunday morning in the pew and thinking, that's it. That's where God wants me to go. I emailed Tricia to express my interest and was very honest about my fears, my grief, and my uncertainty about going. I was sitting on the fence. I had one foot on the plane and one foot safe at my house. And of course, I had the perfect excuse. I have a one-year-old daughter at home, and what kind of mom leaves their baby at home for a week? Despite all of that, the Holy Spirit still gently reminded me, Lauren, this is not about you. I'm telling you to go for me and my purposes, and I will equip you. Have a little faith in me. Although I wrestled with the decision, I think I knew all along that I could not say no to God. So in July, I committed to going and turned in my deposit, and I wasn't looking back now. It is amazing how time and time again, we all question and doubt God. We wonder, is he really going to come through this time? I encourage you to think of a time when you felt led to do something by God, and then think of a time when he didn't come through for you. I know, you can't do it. Isn't it amazing? God provided me with the peace and joy I needed throughout my entire trip. In fact, as the plane took off from Raleigh-Durham that Monday, I turned on my iPod, and yes, I still use an iPod, and the song that played that came on was Have a Little Faith in Me. I sat on that plane and laughed out loud. God was surely speaking to me. He would take care of me, my scared, grief-stricken, homesick little heart. And that's exactly what he did. I leave you with the words from Romans 10. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 
for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Thank you. That is a beautiful testimony of faith from a person who's willing to use their spiritual gifts and to trust in God and to step out and do something that is hard to do, but when they feel called by God to do it, they know that God will provide for them. So I appreciate, appreciate Lauren being willing to come in and to share that with us this morning. Priscilla was like Lauren. She was willing to go. She was willing to work, maybe even when it was hard and kind of outside of the box. She recognized that she had spiritual gifts and she was willing to use them for her Lord. Before we continue with Priscilla, though, I want us to look at some scripture about spiritual gifts. I often say in the Oakmont 101 class, if you were like me and grew up Southern Baptist, you may not have talked about spiritual gifts very much growing up. We knew all about Jesus and we knew about God, but we didn't talk a lot about the Spirit. That was left to another church. But the truth is we lose a lot if we don't talk about spiritual gifts and about the work that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. God has certainly gifted us. And in Romans chapter 12, we see one list of spiritual gifts that are in the Bible. There's another list in 1 Corinthians, but we're not going to read that one. We're going to read this one from Romans. Um, very short, Romans 12, 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a person's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. There are a lot of spiritual gifts that God gives to us. And he gives those spiritual gifts to every believer. So many times I will have people tell me when we start this part of Oakmont 101, I don't have a spiritual gift. Yes, you do. You may just not be aware of what it is. That's one reason we talk about that in Oakmont 101, because it is important for people to understand what their spiritual gifts are. And I would say to you this morning, if you're sitting out there thinking, I don't have a spiritual gift, then see me later, and we'll do the survey, and I'll help you to um, discern what your spiritual gift is. Because God does give spiritual gifts to every believer. And he gives spiritual gifts for a purpose. In Ephesians chapter 4, we can see clearly the reason that God has given spiritual gifts. In verses 11 through, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, we read this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and then here's the purpose, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become more mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
You are gifted to serve God and to serve God through his church. The question is whether or not you will do it. Priscilla used her spiritual gifts. As I read about her, I could see several spiritual gifts that stood out clearly to me. One was encouragement, or sometimes the surveys or the verses in the Bible will say exhortation, which, is, which means encouragement. She was an encourager to Paul. She encouraged him when he came to town, a stranger, and she met him and opened her home to Paul. She and her husband, Aquila, gave Paul the opportunity to join their business so that Paul could provide for his own needs so that he would not be a burden on the church there. Priscilla worked with Aquila and Paul by day, making tents or other cloth items. And then, as the custom of that, of that um, time would be, she would have done the cooking that night at home and would have prepared a place for them, uh, for them to rest at the end of the day and to have a good meal. Priscilla used her skills, her generosity, and her encouragement with Paul so that he could continue and do what God had called him to do, which was to go and to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So encouragement was one of her gifts. Another one of Priscilla's gifts was the gift of apostleship, which means someone who has a missionary heart. She was willing to support Paul, but she was also willing to go and do more when God called her to do that. After Paul was in Corinth for about 18 months, he felt led by God to move on to Ephesus. And so when he made that decision to go, he invited Priscilla and Aquila to go with him, and they did. They packed up their home once more and their business and went off with Paul. Now a person with the gift of apostleship would have that desire to do just that, to spread the gospel in places where they is not their current location. So they went to Ephesus, and then once they got there, Paul said, um, I don't think I'm going to hang out here. I'm moving on to Antioch. I can't imagine what Priscilla must have thought if she'd uprooted her family and life and moved, and then Paul was moving on. But God had a plan in that, and Priscilla stayed with her husband there in Ephesus and supported the church there. In September, a mission team made up of individuals from Oakmont and other churches came together, and they too answered the call in their life to go and to serve as missionaries. This time they went again to Nicaragua. Tricia and Glenn Johnston led that team to Nicaragua, and they're going to come now and share with us about being a missionary in a different place. Good morning. Uh, as she said, my name is Glenn Johnston, and this is my lovely wife, Priscilla. I mean, I mean Tricia. <laughs> we, mostly she, were the team leaders for this year's OBC mission trip to Granada, Nicaragua. You've just heard a wonderful testimony, personal testimony, from Lauren McGee, one of our first-time team members. And there's nothing we can say that would provide you with a stronger witness as to why you might want to consider going on a mission trip. So we're going to share with you what you might experience were you to go. Daryl Henson and his wife Linda are full-time missionaries in Granada, Nicaragua. Daryl is Trisha's brother, which is how we became involved in their efforts through the Pearl Foundation 
a nonprofit formed by Daryl and Linda some six years ago. This year's Nicaragua team consisted of 10 members, six of which are members of Oakmont, with the other four hailing from two churches in the Vanceboro community. Oakmonters included our own mission director, Jimmy Hughes, Lauren McGee, Dave Morris, our three-time alum, and Melanie Ng, and Tricia and I, of course. Becky and Don Hughes, no kin to Jimmy. Susan French and Catherine Morris, no kin to Dave, <laughs> were the other four. As some of you may know, Becky Hughes is Oakmont member Betty Langston's sister. Betty was scheduled to go with us again this year, but at the last minute was unable to, so fortunately, Melanie Ng uh, took her place. The Hensons have made it their mantra to build relationships rather than to build buildings. When mission trips travel to Granada, they go, with, they go there to join the Pearl Foundation in what they're already doing in Nicaragua. And although this year the foundation was able to build a, a, a brand new, wonderful ministry building right smack in the middle of the Pantanal Barrio, it was done with generous donations using all local labor, not mission teams. One of our favorite parts of going to Nicaragua is the interaction with the local people in their own surroundings. This includes door-to-door -door visitation within the barrio, oftentimes at the homes of the families of the children that we're ministering to. The majority of efforts in the, in the terms of time and money is spent on their feeding program. Five days a week, the Pearl Foundation feeds large groups of hungry children whose only meal may be the one that they receive there. In addition to the feeding, in addition to feeding their tummies, we help to feed their souls, and this is done through the Backyard Bible Club, similar to what you would experience were you to go to a vacation Bible school. The, the kids sing songs, they recite memory verses, and they work on crafts that our team brings with us. They earn points for participation and they receive small prizes in accordance with points earned over time. Our team presented several puppet shows this year, and uh, the theme this year was Daniel and the Lion's Den. Another ministry we participated in is the dump ministry. Twice a week, a meal is carried into the city dump and served to those men and women that are rummaging through the garbage for whatever recyclables Sorry, that they can sell. A devotional is always presented before the meal, and the blessing is said by one of the locals. It's okay. <laughs> we handed out T-shirts and hats while they lasted. Sorry. One of the toughest and most, but most rewarding ministries is visiting those in the nearby nursing home. Mostly elderly, many of the patrons get little in the way of visitors. We serve them a meal which was appreciated, but more than that, they just love to have visitors. The smiling faces are proof of that. Again this year, the men in our team participated in the prison visitation. Placed with some 25 plus young men in a room that's, no, that's smaller than your bedroom, we shared words of encouragement and hope from the Bible. While working in the Pantanal Barrio, we visited the Volunteer Lending Library 
and we presented it with a box full of books, Spanish book, uh, language books, uh, that were donated by Oakmoners. Speaking of books, we carried 100 Spanish Bibles with us as well, and we handed out quite a few of them while we were there. The last ministry we would like to share with you is what I consider one of the most telling. Every Saturday at 7.30 a.m., over 25 youth from ages, <laughs> from ages 11 to 17 gather at the Pantanal Ministry Building for a discipleship class. What is special about this is that these girls and boys are former participants who have aged out of the Backyard Bible Club program and by their own choice at 7.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning, they are continuing their relationship with the Pearl Foundation's program and more importantly with Jesus Christ. I'm going to turn it over to Trisha to close. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you, honey. Uh, we did have a wonderful week of ministry with the people of Granada. And in four days at the feeding program, we served 563 meals, served a meal to the 15 softball players participating in the recreational program, and served 27 meals to the youth group. We touched the lives of 251 children in the Backyard Bible Clubs. Additionally, at the nursing home, the city dump, the prison, and several discipleship classes, we ministered to some 231 adults. At the close of our week, we had over 1,078 opportunities to show the love of Christ to a child, a teenager, or an adult. We went to bless others and ended up receiving a huge blessing ourselves by being there and showing the love of Christ. Won't you join us next year? For more information about the Pearl Foundation, they have a Facebook page and it can be found at Pearl Foundation in Nicaragua. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn and Tricia. You can see how when God gets a hold of you and uses you and uses your gifts, it is a blessing to you as, as well as being a blessing to others. They truly went as Priscilla went, willing to serve God. Another of the spiritual gifts that Priscilla has is the spiritual gift of teaching. When they got to Ephesus and Paul decided he was going to move on, Priscilla might have thought, now what am I supposed to do? Why did you bring me here, God? But it wasn't long before Apollos entered the scene. And in the scripture we read this morning, you heard the story of how Apollos, who was a learned man and a good speaker, came to help spread the gospel, came to preach and to teach. When Priscilla and Aquila went to hear him, though, they realized there wasn't something just exactly right in that message. He was missing out on something. Even though he had information, perhaps he didn't have all that he needed to know. So Priscilla used her spiritual gift of teaching. They invited him back to their home as well, and they began to teach him together about the fullness of the message of Jesus. Now Priscilla was a lay person. She was a person like you sitting in the pew, but she had been sitting in, around the dinner table and around the workbench with Paul. Now can you imagine what that would be like? to be just sharing time with the Apostle Paul and all the things that you could learn. 
I'm sure she took what she learned and then was able to share those things with Apollos. Apollos went on to become a great Christian teacher, a preacher and evangelist, and you would read of him later on in the Bible and other places. Hospitality was another spiritual gift of Priscilla. Everywhere she was, the church met in her home. She invited Paul into her home when they came to town. Now, it doesn't say specifically in the scriptures that he stayed with them, but where else was he going to stay? There was no Holiday Inn. There was nowhere else available but to stay in someone's home. And so we can assume, and I think rightly, that, she, that Priscilla and Aquila opened their home to Paul. There was also nowhere for churches to meet. The Christian church was new and young and small, and so they had to meet in people's homes as well. And Priscilla used her gift of hospitality to open her home to the church. She used her gift to disciple people and to help others have a place to study and to learn and to worship their Lord. There are many lessons for us today in the story of Priscilla. I believe that God is still working and still looking for faithful Christians like Priscilla to join him in the work that he is doing. He is still calling out ministers, but he is also still calling out lay people, people who have spiritual gifts and who are full of faith and willing to be used. We see that in our own church as teams are called out, and like these have shared with us this morning the story of how they have used their gifts to serve the Lord. But there are also many spiritual gifts that are used and needed in the church. The church needs teachers and workers and people to serve on teams and to do many different things. Hospitality is a huge gift needed in the church today. And God is still using us in those, in those areas. And God is still equipping those whom he calls. You're not left on your own to do your own thing or to figure out how to serve. God will equip you to do the ministry that he has for you. That's what your spiritual gift is all about. The Holy Spirit is still alive and still working in each person. And those people come together and we make up the church. And God uses that. God still needs committed lay people who are committed to the service and the work of the local church. We see that everywhere Priscilla went, she was part of the church. She supported the church of Jesus Christ with her attendance and also with her gifts and her service. Churches are made up of gathered believers, lay people. And for the church to complete the mission that God has for her, then lay people have to be willing to use their spiritual gifts. If that had not been the way God was going to do it, then he would have done it a different way. God is still doing the unexpected. It would have been very unexpected in the first century AD for a woman to be used in the religious life such as Priscilla was used. Today, I think we continue to see God at work in unexpected ways. Styles of worship and ways of doing church are changing, but the message of God is the same. For many, New forms of worship or new looks of churches may feel different than what they're used to, and it may feel strange. But just as Paul used Priscilla to help him take the gospel to a new audience, the Gentiles, which by the way is us, that God is still working to reach all people 
And sometimes today that involves doing it in new and unexpected ways. And that today is also necessary if we're going to reach a new audience and reach today's world. I believe that the church is still an important part of God's plan to reach the world with his love and salvation. There is no plan B. It's up to us to work with God and to spread the gospel. I believe that the church should be made up of people who love Jesus with all their heart and mind and soul and who have a relationship with Jesus Christ that changes them. It should change our hearts and it should change our lives and it should change our outlook on the world. People who come to worship, to study together and to worship God out of our love for Jesus Christ. And yet the church should also be made up of people who don't know Jesus yet, but who are open to that possibility. Those who are searching for something in their life that we know Jesus is the only thing that will fill what they look for. But they, don't, they won't come if we don't work to include them and if we don't find new ways to reach those that are around us. The church is still an important part of God's plan to reach the world, but it will take church members using their spiritual gifts to accomplish that job. In our world today, I believe that God wants people like Priscilla, people who can be the church wherever they are, Sometimes that's in Nicaragua. Sometimes it's over at Epps Middle School. Sometimes it's in the marketplace like Priscilla and Paul. And sometimes it's down at Branches or on the Children's Hall here at Oakmont tutoring in the afternoons. Sometimes that work is done at your home or in your neighborhood or at your job. But it is being the church wherever you are. Priscilla gave her life her marriage, her whole career, over to God for him to use for his kingdom purposes. And he is calling us to do the same. Over 2,000 years after Priscilla lived and died, we still read about her, and we still learn from her life. What are you doing that will still be talked of and remembered in 2,000 years? What are you investing your life in? that's going to be remembered as having had an impact on God's work in his kingdom. Are you investing your life in eternal things or are you investing your time and your life in things that don't matter so much in the bigger picture of God's work? There are many good causes in the world and there are many good people who are willing to do those, those causes, but God needs committed followers of Christ to do his work in the kingdom. Who might you influence as Priscilla influenced Apollos? Each person who Apollos eventually reached can trace their faith back to Priscilla. Is there anyone who can trace their faith in Jesus Christ back to you? Priscilla saw potential in Apollos and she took the time to teach him and to disciple him. Who is God putting before you for you to disciple and teach? Priscilla was a strong woman in a difficult time, and she was a strong model for us to see how to live our lives at work in God's kingdom. Again, I, my guess is if she was here, she would say she was nobody special, but she was somebody special. 
She was somebody who God used in a mighty way. She was a co-worker and an encourager to Paul. And the church of today needs more encouragers. Priscilla was a woman who loved her Lord and was committed to her faith and to her local church. And the church of today needs committed laypersons to serve and to support the church. Priscilla was a woman who served her Lord as she went about her life. Sometimes that meant packing up her life and going as a missionary. Other times it meant working for Christ and speaking a word for him in the marketplace around those who were out shopping or were purchasing things or, or just out living their life in the market. Wherever she went, she was the church. She was a servant of Christ doing his will. She was someone who was gifted to serve and was willing to be used by God. This morning, can you say the same thing? Can you be Priscilla and be aware of your spiritual gifts and willing to use your spiritual gifts? You have them. Don't think you don't, because every believer does. The only question now is, are you willing to allow God to use them? As he said in Ephesians, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Amen. <laughs>